1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, a quick note about ads from us, your hosts. We are picky about our advertisers and all of our partners or brands or products that we either use ourselves or that we think our audience would benefit from knowing about. Working with advertisers is what allows us to make this show and they keep working with us because you, our listeners, use the unique links and codes they provide. It's one of the most meaningful ways to support what we do. So thanks for that. We're really, really grateful. If you're ever looking for a specific code, head to a thing or HQ.com slash sponsors and you'll find them all. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to athingor2hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at
0: 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at athingor2hq. I love the Miley song that's out now.
1: (laughs) Duh. I mean, of course, of course, like there's just but also there's no way you wouldn't have because it is perfect. It's just like packed chock full of Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. Perfect for Mm -hmm. someone like you who's Mm -hmm. like, yes, I will follow all the breadcrumbs. to All of their natural like places. And TikTok knows that about me. and They served it all to me. They're like, oh, you cared about where Harry's arm was in this photo. You will care (laughs) about the suit in the Miley video. It isn't instant bop in that way
0: that when I heard it once, I felt like I'd heard it a million times same, because same, it immediately lodged my brain. Same, 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 same. And obviously, I think part of that is because it's intentionally derivative of the Bruno Mars song, yeah. but I don't think it's just that. I think it's that it is truly just one of the poppiest, boppiest, earwarmiest no, it's, songs.
1: It's incredible songwriting is it's what it is. It's great. And who doesn't
0: love a really satisfying revenge song?
1: Okay. So we would like to talk for a brief moment about how the revenge song is having a moment. Yeah, we're just like, why? Yes. Why is this the time for the revenge song? Because it is.
0: Well, it is, and it's all. I mean, one thing and one reason why I personally love it so much is because it merges great pop music with celebrity gossip. <laughs>
1: And female anger mm-hmm. in many mm-hmm. cases. Yeah. In, in like most cases.
0: And it checks all my boxes.
1: Yeah. 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 So obviously there's the Miley song, there's Shakira song, mm-hmm. there's countless Taylor Swift songs, most yeah. recently All Too Well. well but like all too Dear all John. Well, being the most iconic. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah Dear yeah. John. I mean, they, yeah. Better she, than Revenge. I don't know. There are a lot of. <laughs> it's true. I mean, listen, but Dear John like and, and all Beyonce too well. do a lot of revenge
0: content. Right. I mean, Beyonce did an entire revenge album. Yes. Yes. Right. And, And what really added to the enjoyment of all of those was feeling like you were getting a inside look at these people's lives and relationships. It was so satisfying. And in the case of All Too Well and Flowers, I think it also took two men who you were like, I kind of want to hate this person, but I don't have a good reason. Well, now I have a great reason.
1: Yes, 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 yes. To add to that fire, I would like to submit the chick's gaslighter. Yes. Which is like another person that you're like, yep, throw him on in. Well, I didn't know anything about him. Did you know anything about him? I had no idea she was married to an actor. I I knew a tiny bit about him. And this was one of those things that just like really cements to like, ah, yes, you are what I thought, what I like figured you were. Fucking
0: phenomenal song. Phenomenal. You know, obviously... Part of making these songs really good is the extreme specificity, which all of these that we're talking about have, but Gaslighter
1: in particular, the specificity is outrageously good. The Olivia Rodrigo song, Good mm-hmm. For You, the, speci- the like line in that <laughs> yeah. song that I just cannot get over is, I guess, that therapist I found for you, she really helped. <laughs> it's really good. Have you watched that music video? I don't think I have. It's great. And it really encapsulates why I think this might be the revenge song era, which is also the burn it all mm, down era. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a scene where she's in the checkout line mm-hmm. of a CVS or like mm-hmm. a chain pharmacy. And she's buying kerosene mm-hmm. and smart food popcorn. <laughs> which just wow. kind of feels like how we're all living our lives. Yeah, you know what I well, mean? She's also just so good at a late 90s nod. And she's she, like, she looks at the checkout person and shrugs. <laughs> And there's just something about it that Uh is like everything is crumbling. Yes. And yet we're still buying our smart food. Yeah. It's just really special to me. It's really special to me.
0: I love all of these and I encourage more people to work out their broken hearts this way.
1: Yes. You know, the other one I love mm -hmm. or think has a very strong lyric is Love Yourself, Justin Bieber. I absolutely love that song. I do not know if there is a sicker burn than my mama don't like you and she likes everyone. It's a really good line. It's a really excellent line. Incredible. Just incredible stuff. I wonder if part of the appeal of revenge songs for us is that we grew up with one of the greatest revenge songs mm-hmm. of all time, in my opinion, Alanis Morissette, Oh, a, yeah. You ought to know. A song that we all dissected.
0: Well, and good for you is feels like
1: intentionally a derivative of you ought to know in some ways. Yes. 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 Exactly. Um, Exactly. Our friend Peter, he of the Michigan Star, mm -hmm. had a company called Songza for years that had these like curated playlists. And they had a playlist called Cowgirl Mm Kiss-Offs. And for me, it was like this eye-opening playlist, right? Like defined a genre that I didn't know I loved. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh no, it's not just that I love Country music by women. It's that I like angry country music by mm. women um, mm-hmm. and here we have it and it, like featured before he cheats by Carrie Underwood, mm. classic, obviously. And so I have recently made my own Spotify playlist to mimic this. Because but, songs that no longer exist. C- because songs, that, unfortunately for us, no longer exist. And other songs I recommend, including On Your Version is Kerosene by Miranda Lambert. Mm. And I Hope by Gabby Barrett. If you have not heard that song, it is fantastic. So the premise of the song is like, I hope that you like pour your like heart and soul into mm-hmm. this relationship with this new person. Mm-hmm. And then I hope she cheats like you did on me. <laughs> Perfect it's just it's so like mean in the best way it's angry it's just angry
0: it's angry i just wish a successful revenge song for every person because what is better honestly than working it out that way and then having it be a huge success <laughs> i just can't imagine something better i love it so right deeply. it's like
1: having it not only top the charts but yeah. then also being like and she was wearing his suit in the music video <laughs>
0: so good. It's so good. And I just want to say, I believe every unsubstantiated rumor about the Miley song and all yes. of the Easter eggs, except for the Jennifer Lawrence stuff, because they don't want this to like,
1: it doesn't need to go there. Doesn't we not need, need, need to go into, into girl, and girl
0: crime. So I, I ignore that, but everything else I buy. I have another music moment that I'd like to Please. share. It's funny. People sometimes email or say in the Geneva that they want us to talk more about music or discovering music and how to discover music without just and like go to I, a different podcast. That's not that's sort right of how I yeah. feel. And I, I love music. I rely on it deeply. I could not run without it. So it's not that I'm I not. Could not run
1: without <laughs> <it>. I can't. <laughs> people I who run without music, so I'm stunned by. <laughs> I could not run without it. But it's like almost the way people say. Like I couldn't run without coffee. Like I couldn't <laughs> yeah. like operate. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I. But you mean it literally. Music is very important
0: <laughs> to me, but I am not a music person. Where I'm like... No, me. And know, if
1: you're not, I'm deeply not. Yeah.
0: You know, those music people, it's like, I could never date anyone who doesn't have the same taste in music as me. Or like, I, mm-hmm. you know, I spend a lot of time seeking out new music. I'm not mm-hmm. that person. I really appreciate it. I love music and live
1: music and all of it, but I'm not... But sit down concerts only. But like, go so on. Yes. <laughs>
0: This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. You know, I feel like you and I, Erica, have been preaching about the benefits of therapy for a really long time now, but... Even all the work we've done does not match Jonah Hill's documentary stuts. I feel like he's the <laughs> not, ther- not
1: even all of our work, not even all of ours.
0: <laughs> I, love I it. just feel like, you know, I really put in the time, but then this documentary stuts came along, and it really just, you know, blew me out of the water when it came to convincing people that therapy was worthwhile.
1: You know? He does have a slightly larger media footprint, which is good. Like, thank God for that.
0: I'm not jealous. I'm not competitive about this. I think the more people preaching the gospel of the value of therapy, the better. So thank you, Jonah Hill, for joining the fight, joining the war that we have been on the front lines of for a very long time now, is I guess what I'm saying.
1: What's one big takeaway you had from Stutz? Well, there's one I talked about in
0: an episode a couple of weeks ago about bringing your previous versions of yourself with you at all times to sort of like valuing and celebrating even the versions of yourself that you're not that proud of. But the other one that I've been thinking about a lot is not getting lost in the maze. So like not spiraling about stuff in a way that prevents you from moving forward or making progress and sort of picturing those spirals you get in as a maze that stop you from actually just like moving forward
1: not getting stuck in the maze. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash a thing or two today to get 10% off your first month. That's com slash a thing or two relationships are hard. And that's why I'm here. Hey, friend, it's Kimmy Crawford. Think of me as your big sister slash audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show relationship, the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics, the good, the bad and the straight up shitty. Need advice? Send your story to relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss
0: all the hot goss. And if you're loving the show, please leave us a review. Talk soon, bestie. Chris always plays his Discover Weekly in the morning while we're eating breakfast with Cam, and this song comes on his Discover Weekly, and it stopped me in my tracks. and I had the most visceral reaction to it in the way that I do not often react to music. I was immediately rocked by it. And part of it was that it really sounded exactly like the type of music on children's PBS shows in the 80s, which I didn't know was a genre of music. And it's so, not. It's but- just,
1: it's the same way girl kiss offs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, it really when you were describing that, I was like, Yes, that's what happened to me with this music, was I heard it. It was vaguely jazzy, vaguely poppy, definitely electronic. And electronic in the way that electronic, electronic music electronic used stuff. to sound. No, yeah. <laughs> but electronic in the way that music used to sound when computers weren't so sophisticated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it really sounded like a computer. I was like, what is this song? It is really, it's, uh, it's doing stirring something, something yeah, deeply yeah, yeah, inside yeah, yeah. me. It's like, I want to cry. It was from the album Keyboard Fantasies by Beverly Glenn Copeland. So I immediately do a deep dive on this person. The first thing you need to know is that I was dead on because he wrote on Sesame Street. Stop. And was on the Canadian children TV show, Mr. Dress Up for 25 years. He has this insane life story where he was one of the first black students to attend McGill University, identified as a lesbian at the time. And his parents tried to take him to electroconvulsive therapy because they were honestly just like worried for his safety. He's been a Buddhist since the 70s. He came out as trans in 2002. I'm like, you were doing all of these things before anybody was doing these things in a way that had to be really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scary, intimidating, brave. And makes this music that just is the music that is speaking to him and that he likes and is kind of largely unnoticed. And then in 2015, this Japanese collector, Ryota Masuka, reaches out to him and is like, discovering your music was a hugely emotional experience. Same. (laughs) Same. Do you have any copies of it that I could sell? And Glenn, as he now goes by, is like, sure, I still have some in my house because I printed like a thousand of these and sold maybe 300. Right, right, right. And then the guy's immediately. Feel free. Yeah. Yeah. The guy's immediately like coming back to him constantly because also Glenn at this point does not realize that this guy is an influential music person in Japan. He's a thing. Yeah. And basically sells him out of all of the copies of Keyboard Fantasies. And now just in the last, it seems like five-ish years. All these influential musicians are discovering him, like Blood Orange and Devendra Banhart and Kelsey Lou. He has a new album coming out next year. He's 79 years old. There's a documentary about him. Good, good. It is quite charming. This guy and his band are the hugest dorks. These people are so incredibly themselves. The tie that he wears when he is touring has wolves howling at the moon on it. And it's not in an ironic way. No, like, no, no, yeah. There's also kind of sadness to this, which is that he was supposed to go on tour in 2020 just mm. as his career was finding this resurgence and it obviously got canceled. And since 79, he has health issues.
1: I do feel- Well, and feel... it's like tragic that he's only finding this now. That, yeah. that the audience for this is, is I mean- In his lifetime. In his lifetime.
0: When you watch this documentary, his gratitude for everything in life is so inspirational and remarkable. And he's at some point talking to a queer group and somebody in the group is thanking him for just being an elder of the community and how meaningful it is for this person to, you know, witness him and and be in community with him. And he's like, are you kidding me? You guys teach me so much the way you guys talk about all of this stuff, the things that just come easily now for you that didn't for me make me so happy. And he's just such an incredible person to watch. I really want everybody to listen to it because I do think specifically for people our age, late 30s, early 40s, this music is so evocative of a comforting type of tv show and the music that went along with it it is but in a way that is not childish and it's sophisticated just so good well
1: because the music then
0: wasn't necessarily childish either no right true yeah Yeah, it's like the best era of children's television and all of the amazing artists and creators who were working on those things and this feels like the perfect little encapsulation of that so i really want more people to listen to it
1: and support him on patreon love Something I want people to listen to. Mm -hmm. Anderson Cooper's podcast, All There Is. I don't have any particular like feelings whatsoever about Mm -hmm. Anderson Cooper. Seems seems lovely, but like I'm (laughs) not like a super fan or Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. like that. But he has this podcast that came out in the fall mm-hmm. about grief and loss. And I think it is so good and so useful and really just filling a void that needs filling yep. in the content universe. Yes, There's just not enough conversations about grief and loss and especially someone who has the platform and the audience and, yep. and access that yes. this man has. So... This is like he is someone who has experienced a lot of grief and a lot of loss in his Mm -hmm. life. His dad died when he was 10. His brother committed suicide when his brother was in his early 20s, a young adult. And his mom died when Anderson was, you know, much older.
0: And his mom was Gloria Vanderbilt. Correct. Correct. Okay.
1: Correct. Exactly. He also talks about less recognized losses, like a nanny who Mm. was with him when he was a baby, who he was very Mm -hmm. close with, and talks about how some of those people that like don't have these very defined roles in your life that everyone understands that how that can be even challenging to navigate because there aren't. Well, you don't say like, oh, my nanny died and people aren't like, totally, (laughs) I understand what you're going through. Yes. Yeah. Does he talk about pet loss? I haven't found a pet loss episode, but you know, I would listen. I do feel, I mean,
0: I've never had a pet that I felt strongly about because I've only had turtles. Yeah. And And fish. (laughs) Yeah, listen, (laughs) Tartufo Tartufo the turtle. But I do recognize that it is a largely under-acknowledged loss. Yeah, it's a bit unrecognized. It's like
1: if you haven't gone through it, you don't understand. Yeah. And as someone who Mm -hmm. feels strongly about pet loss, I try when I have friends who have Mm -hmm. gone through it to like acknowledge the loss that it is. And I remember when our last bunny, Patsy, died, our friend Lindsay sent Mm -hmm. Thomas and I flowers. Mm -hmm. And it was just Mm -hmm. one of those things where she got it. She like totally got it. And And not everybody does. And so it was just like nice to, yeah, you don't have to send flowers, but you know, just the acknowledgement of it. it. Yeah. Anyway, there are two episodes I want to recommend. Okay. I really love this episode about anticipatory grief Mm. um, that taught me what that term is. And just this idea of the expectation of loss and the dread of the forthcoming loss and the processing of some of that before it happens. It happens a lot with dementia and Alzheimer's, but it also happens with terminal illnesses or... Pet loss, like a yeah, sick pet, yeah, or yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of cases, yeah. of course. He interviews Kirsten Johnson, who made a movie called Dick Johnson is Dead. So, Dick Johnson is Dead is about her dad, okay. who is in fact alive okay. and stars in the documentary. Oh, wow. And it is really about her navigating her mom had died of mm-hmm. Alzheimer's. Her dad has dementia, and okay. she and her dad sort of together are yeah. navigating this decline and right. this loss and anticipatory grief. I think it's really useful framing. They get her dad on the phone. One of the things she talks about that I found to be really comforting was that they got her dad on the phone on a good day and she was like, I can't talk to him every day because it's too hard for me and it's like too sad. Mm -hmm. I thought it was useful and it also was giving permission to other people who might be feeling that way about certain relationships that they have. And yesterday I listened to an episode with Molly Shannon, whose mom, sister and cousin all died in a car accident when she was four.
0: Yeah, she had that book come out that I'm kind of interested in Yeah, I've heard it's pretty good. Yeah, I have Um, too.
1: So this could be a good like entree into that. They they talked about the ways that at at times they've both been just like waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then this is something that happens when you lose a parent or someone really Mm. core when you're Mm. young. And how neither of them for a period of time ever hung things in their offices mm. because it just felt like, well, any minute this could go away. Right, um, right, right. They just like couldn't settle in. And this was something they like discovered over the course of this conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which was really delightful. They also talk about the effect of getting responsibilities too young when you basically become the surrogate mm-hmm. um, partner for your yes. parent. His dad died, so it was him and his mom. Her mom died, so it was her and her, her dad and her other sister. And you know, Molly's dad gave her financial documents to read when she was 12. And she dubs mm-hmm. this empowering abuse mm. this very specific thing where you know it's absolutely wrong mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's deeply inappropriate mm-hmm. but there was also something that she found useful about being taken seriously right 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 or that that like prepared her in yes. some way for life in a way yeah. that, was, that was maybe productive right. even though it was like deeply fucked up in so many mm-hmm. ways and anderson's anecdote about this is that he knew too much about his mom's situation and that they were just like running out of money. And he was always nervous about wanting to get a job and make money and figuring Mm -hmm. out like financial stability. And that one night his mom took him and his brother to Studio 54. And which is like its whole other thing. Yeah. yeah. And Michael Jackson was performing and Mm -hmm. Anderson Cooper didn't know who he was. Mm -hmm. And Anderson was like 11. And seeing Michael Jackson dance, he thought he should really pursue that. (laughs) <laughs> and make money off of it because he was just so concerned so about every, how everybody was going to make money. money. I, it just incredible. Wow.
0: Thank you so much to Nutrafol for sponsoring today's episode. Erica, the other day you and I were on zoom and i was looking at myself and i was like what's that thing at the top of my head like i have something in my hair and then i got closer to the camera and i was like oh no that's just like kind of a little bald patch that's just
1: that's just me seeing more of my scalp it was a cute little one it was a cute little one
0: <laughs> that's me seeing more of my scalp than i'm used to seeing and that's old age for you and that is also me being like i need to get back on my nutrafol routine i've sort of fallen off admittedly and when i stick with it and i'm like better about it it is a good thing
1: It is a good thing. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth thickness and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning. So stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism through whole body health. Nutrafol has three unique formulas to support women throughout all stages of life, including postpartum and menopause. Each formula is physician formulated using natural drug-free medical grade ingredients and consistently effective dosages. So you get the most reliable results in a clinical study. 86% of women reported improved hair growth after 6 months over 3000 top doctors and stylists recommend nutrifol as an effective and high quality solution for healthier hair you can grow thicker healthier hair and support our show by going to nutrifol.com and entering the promo code a thing or two to save $15 off your first month subscription this is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to us customers for a limited time plus free shipping on every order get $15 off at nutrifol.com spelled n u t r a f o l.com promo code a thing or two Thank you to the Georgia Tech Skeller College of Business for sponsoring today's episode. Something I've been thinking a lot about recently is just basically the question of like, what is a career? Like the broad question of, okay, we are of a generation, you and I, Claire, where just the idea of a career feeling like a linear thing or like a ladder is kind of hilarious and outdated. Yes. Whereas we both had parents who stayed in the same jobs, in the same fields, worked at the same companies, Mm -hmm. maybe their entire working lives we've already had career transitions. We've already done different things already at like 39 and 40, mm-hmm. which feels, I don't know, it feels like a new thing. It's um, totally
0: new. And we will do more things, you know, before we stop working, I'm guessing.
1: Yes, yes, exactly.
0: Which is hilarious to me because I do recall part of starting of a kind at I think we were like 26 26 and 27. 27, I was like, I'm tired of the career track I'm on. And the only way to possibly get on another career track is to start my own thing because who would hire me at the ripe old age of 26 in an entirely new field? (laughs) Um... Anyway... Through a business education at Skeller, women will gain infinite opportunities to grow and transform both personally and professionally while learning from the brightest minds at the intersection of business and technology. Skeller offers full-time evening and executive MBA programs that are consistently ranked top 20 in the nation. Skeller is located in the heart of Atlanta's tech square, an area with the highest density of startups, corporate innovators, and researchers in the Southeastern US. Skeller's MBA career services are ranked top five in the world, five years running. In fact, their class of 2022 graduates had a 100% employment, rate which is really impressive. Women are leaders in the scholar community and have many opportunities to build their leadership skills through student led clubs, committees, events and leadership development programs. Scholar offers many scholarships for women making an investment in you and your MBA accessible. Visit gtmba.women.com to learn more about Scholar's MBA programs.
1: Something else that they talk about about losing their parents was this idea of I had them enough Mm -hmm. with parental loss. And that basically, especially as they've become parents themselves, Molly Shannon was saying, you know, when her kids became four, she was like, oh, I've actually imparted so much of myself into Mm -hmm. my kids at this point and trying to reframe the loss as I got them for that period of time. Mm -hmm. And this Mm -hmm. is like this special thing that they were able to give me. And I've had like enough of their influence Mm -hmm. for their Mm -hmm. guidance to shape me. Right, Um, right, right. Which I mean, has to be just like incredibly challenging mental shift. Like it felt like in both of their cases, it was a productive way to try to think about it. Right, 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 right. I have a friend who also
0: loves this podcast who has experienced a lot of grief and loss in her own life and some of it recent. And she said that one thing that was really valuable to her about this podcast, besides just finding it deeply helpful and cathartic for her personally, is asking her husband to listen to it. Yes. Because her husband has not experienced the type of grief and loss Uh that she has. And for him to sort of be more supportive to her, this has been educational and instructional for him of like, oh, this helps me understand what you're going through, which I was like, oh, that's a smart way of using this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally. You and I are in a group chat. We're in many group chats. Um, one of our best group chats, someone sent a tweet the other day and the tweet read now done seven flights with my baby and I've discovered that traveling with an infant is incredibly stressful and logistically complicated. Surprised other parents don't talk about this more. You don't need me to tell you this because you just listened to me read the tweet, but it was written by a man. <laughs> you, But you knew that. Because everyone's talking about this. I don't have a child. I know everyone's talking about this. Everybody is talking about this. And I like, bless his heart, as they say. But I (laughs) truly felt such rage about it. And our friend who texted it, obviously texted it because she also felt such rage. Her response was perfect. She just wrote, lots of people are talking about this, period. (laughs) Which which I, I appreciated. It was just like, yeah. I feel such deep rage about this issue. The issue being that men... Not only don't listen when other people are talking about this, but they're not talking about it themselves between themselves between yeah. themselves and I think it does such a disservice to everybody involved, so like you said, the books I read, part of the internet I'm on, the social media accounts I follow the list to assignment everybody's talking of the internet about this. I'm on yes. which
1: are not parenting specific no. but they're women
0: specific exactly yeah. exactly, and I have to say like. It brings me back to pre-baby when Chris and I would talk about whether or not we wanted to have kids. He was always really gung-ho about it. And on one hand, I loved his enthusiasm about it. I loved his fearlessness about it. But I have to be honest, there was a small part of me that resented his enthusiasm about it, not because I didn't want to be parents, but because I felt like it came from a place of ignorance because he wasn't being exposed to it. It was like naivete. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like it was because he wasn't being exposed to the stories about how hard it really is. And a friend of his who had a baby a couple years before us was talking to me in the early infant days and was just in both like, like wide sh- eyed Shock. He was yeah, actually yeah, 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 yeah. in shock. He was actually <laughs> the definition of traumatized by it. And he kept saying, I had no idea. Nobody told me. And I was like, cool. So can you go tell
1: Chris? Not Don't because, tell me. Go turn yeah. around and tell this person who hasn't heard this before. Right.
0: And I was like, it's not because I want you to talk Chris out of wanting to have kids. It's because I want Chris to go in with the same information that I have. And well, an eyes wide open approach. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, And for it to not always be me, who's the Debbie Downer saying, but this is going to be so hard. Yeah. yeah, but yeah this yeah, actually yeah, yeah, yeah. is really scary. And all of this Bad and cop that. Naysayer yeah, or whatever. exactly. Yeah. And I have to say, on one hand, this is a media issue because I think the story is aren't being told in the
1: places and as with the amount of Well, and there's just like very little like fatherhood specifically. Media fatherly is a really good example, but there's just not much. Yes. And I have to say, the person who tweeted this is an editor, which should make you think. This is what pissed me off. Yes. No, I mean, the whole thing pissed me off, but this is what pissed me off of being like, oh, because this person is an editor, you have that sense that they're approving stories based on like they're, they, they don't have the knowledge and the framework to even approve the types of stories that need to be approved.
0: Right. Because he never would have known until he flew with the child himself. Seven times. (laughs) How hard it was. And he's one of the people responsible for shaping and deciding how and which stories
1: get told. I... It's like he's never seen a movie. (laughs) Claire, I mean, that's kind of what I'm... It's like... But you've been on a plane with a baby, right? Yes. Because we've all been on a plane with a baby before and it has never once looked easy to me. No,
0: he's not paying attention. It's wild. It's both a media problem, but it is also like a men's social problem that men aren't talking about this stuff with each other. And it's we do not have the time to get into the why of that. But if I may be so bold as to ask men to talk about these things with each other more and maybe post about them. And maybe that's the double-edged sword. I'm getting mad at this guy for posting about it, but it's that nobody's talking about this that I was mad about. (laughs) It also comes back to the one piece of advice I feel really good about giving new and expecting parents, which is to A, limit the amount of books you're reading, right? Don't start reading too many because they're all going to be in conflict with each other. But B, and this is the really important one, you both have to agree to read the same books because one person cannot be the keeper of the information. And when I say one person, I really mean the birthing parent. Yeah. One, because the birthing parent is already doing so much, but two, because it sets up this terrible dynamic where the birthing parent is a source of all the information. They well, become the, the nag. Boss. Yes. They're the boss. They're yeah. the nag. They're the worrywart. It's not great. And so I just think it's honestly kind of on men to seek out this information and inform themselves And not think that nobody is talking about how hard it is to fly with an infant. Just because
1: they haven't talked about it before. We're going to move on to a couple of, well, just different kinds of anger, honestly, (laughs) to to be perfectly honest. You have a gripe, too. Oh, I have like I was like, which one? Um, I do have a gripe. Yeah, I have really started to begrudge that going out to dinner is the socializing default. And it like has been for some time. It's not like this mm-hmm. is a new phenomenon, mm-hmm. but how much dinner is a thing has yes. just become more and more aggressive mm-hmm. in whatever phase of the pandemic we're in right now. Yeah. The revenge of it all, the mm-hmm. revenge travel, the revenge going out to dinner. <laughs> meaning, the revenge Meaning like,
0: that we've come back with a vengeance and we're going to the fanciest dinners or we're going out to dinner too much. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're just like mm-hmm. all hitting
1: it too yeah, hard. Yeah, we're all yeah, hitting yeah, it yeah. so hard. It's also the like Experience of going out to dinner and the degradation in my mind of that experience yeah. is compounded by shorter hours, smaller staffs, mm-hmm. like more pressure to get people in and out, the like yeah. conveyor beltiness of it all. It does feel like the NOMA closure
0: yeah. is related to this, that there is this general feeling of, wait, what? Well, why are we all spending this much money and going to these lengths to go out to an insanely fancy dinner that when you take a step back, you're like, wow, this doesn't feel necessary.
1: This doesn't feel necessary. Exactly. And it's not like we're talking about going us personally to NOMA. Please save your
0: critiques about how that's a more nuanced thing. And he actually just yeah, is no, a terrible I, I, boss with I, a CPG
1: business he wants to promote. I understand it's more Yeah, all of it. Yeah, all of that is like very clear, but it feels like sort of stripped if it's fun. Yeah. And it really jumped the shark when you and I were going out to dinner with a friend and we were going someplace that we thought was like meant to be fun, like a little sceney, but still like weeknight chill.
0: I'm interested in your investment in keeping this anonymous because I'm actually not at all concerned about the success of this restaurant hinging on our critique of no, it. No, I just don't
1: think it even matters. <laughs> okay. I
0: think it's said this could be anywhere. Fine, 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 fine. And, you know, we're not going to call it out. But it was... Don't go negative on the internet. Don't go negative on the internet. This place, we were like, I don't think it's going to be good. But it's definitely probably Convenient. fine. It's also Greek, which is hard to screw up. Like, it, There's going to be dips on the menu. It's going to be great. We love a dip. Tink's loves this restaurant. You love a Tink's. I love Tink's. <laughs> First of all, we get there and it is mobbed. Like, unbelievably packed. And they had one table for us that was in between two columns. Yeah. And backed up against a table of bros who were so annoyed that we were backed up against them. As if we were in charge of the seating plan. The cheapest entree was $32. The most expensive one was an $195 tomahawk steak. The most egregious one was the Whole Fish for One. Which was
1: $60. And again, people should charge whatever they want to charge for whatever things. Well, my point is just you can't position yourself as like potentially a chill Tuesday night dining experience for a non celebration and have a like this on a menu. The tables were scratched up. <laughs> The then, menus
0: were, were grease splattered. The menus were grease splattered. That was one thing that you for were like, some Take reason a really got, of the menu. No, Take a picture. Skin. Take a picture. Was you can't have $60 whole fish for one and have grease splattered all over the menu and scratches in the table. And fake flowers absolutely smothering the exterior of the building.
1: And interior. Yes. Both sides. They did it both sides. So we did something that I thought to be deeply empowering. I felt really proud of us.
0: The first thing I said when we started, when it all started sinking, I was like, I just want to say that like in 10 years when I can really lean into being a grumpy older person, I will insist we leave a place like this rather than eating. And then it turned out it just was going to take 10 minutes and not 10 years for us to actually commit to that.
1: We decided to leave. We were like, you know what? actually they haven't tied us up here no they have not they, no. they have enough flake flowers to do it but they have not tied us up here and they're we not going to miss us because they have no, absolutely not a single empty table. The, yes. the whatever ordinance about how odds. many people yeah.
0: can and also the fire department regulations about how many people are allowed
1: in this building at once we had drinks and left And as you noted, it was because we already ordered the drinks Mm -hmm. um, beforehand. I do feel like oddly good about having had a drink there just for the sake of having taken that waitstaff's table for Mm. however long. No, the
0: waiter was perfectly lovely. Yeah.
1: And like, I feel good about like that being the move Mm -hmm. that like, you know what? You don't just like get up from the table. You like have a drink or a snack and then you're like, we're actually just going to do this. And we're going to go. We're not going to like, we Mm -hmm. don't have to, we don't have to feel like an obligation to the resi gods (laughs) about this experience. I just, it's all just not fun. And the thing is like, it's not that I want to like give up restaurants. I want to engage with restaurants in a different way.
0: Yeah. Well, it's really an argument for the Michigan
1: Star. Just a good, reliable, no fuss restaurant. It is such a strong case for the Michigan Star, which is what we've dubbed restaurants that you that are like your neighborhood favorites, the place yeah. where you know they have two or three good things on the menu. The wait staff might even recognize you. They might give a yeah. shit that you're there. That's nice. You experience. probably don't
0: need a reservation.
1: No. I also think there are ways to embrace like the going out for food mm-hmm. that just is not that go to breakfast or lunch instead. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not brunch, yeah. which is just as much thing. of a shit show yeah. as mm-hmm. dinner is. I, after an appointment a couple of weeks ago, had breakfast by myself at the bar at the New Jelena mm-hmm. in New York. That was delightful. Mm-hmm. The like service and staff and all of it was just wonderful. And it was like it was like a 40 minute experience. It was just lovely. It was just lovely. I recently found the perfect place for weekend lunch in New York. Tell me. Wagamama. Oh, I love Wagamama. It is 2005 or 2004 London. Yes. Yes. That's what I think of. I think it is the perfect place to Uh eat in 2023. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I also say this, obviously, as a person without kids. So it's like easier to do like a breakfast or lunch. But but here's the thing
0: I will say about having kids is I absolutely love a 5 p.m. dinner at a place where all the other parents know that they're open at five and it's like parenting yes. hour. Shout out Sarah Gina in Brooklyn. Shout out Loconda Vinnie Oli in Michigan Brooklyn. Michigan Star just went there the other night. It's a classic Michigan Star. And if you go to any of these places at 5 p.m. on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it is children and
1: adults with hard cocktails. Like
0: everybody <laughs> is ordering an a Negroni.
1: That's exactly um, right. That's exactly yeah. right. Also, my friend Jessie, when I saw her in December, was telling me that she was getting like a regular babysitter mm-hmm. and that the regular babysitter was going to come for like a few hours on Saturday afternoon. Mm. And then she and her husband could decide how they were going to use that time. Is it to go to like workout class? Is it to run errands? Is it to do mm-hmm. this? Is it to go out to lunch? Like, yes. That just feels like you're not pushed out of the table mm-hmm. with the, like the mm-hmm. same fervor that yes. you are if you yes. have a 7 p.m. reservation somewhere <laughs> that like if you're even able to get one of
0: those. At Saragina, whenever you show up with kids, they say to you very discreetly as you're putting them down, and we do operate on a 90-minute dining window. But they, if you go without kids, they don't say that to you. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, no. I have tested this theory.
1: They're like, get no. the F out of here with your children. But they'll allow it. The other thing I would like to pitch as a reframing of restaurants is like going out for a fancy cocktail mm-hmm. and then having a chill dinner. After. Yeah, that's like great idea. either going like either that's a home mm-hmm. dinner or yeah. it's like sandwiches or pizza yeah. or like the new Joe Shanghai on yeah. the Bowery, which I had a delightful dinner at. I don't know. It's also just you're not as trapped in that environment of how's everything tasting mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the full 90 minutes <laughs> or however the lo- long you're permitted. How's
0: everything tasting? What a question. Like sometimes not that great. But what are you going to say?
1: Medium? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, something else I wanted to discuss. Mm-hmm.
0: This is a personal platform and a technology platform for you. Both. Mm-hmm. It is both. Okay. Yeah. First, and a political
1: platform. Really. <laughs> I'd like to start by saying that most social media sucks. A mm-hmm. bold statement. Mm-hmm. I feel compelled to back this up with an expert quote mm-hmm. because I don't think our audience believes me that social media <laughs> right. sucks. Right, no, everybody's know? like, no, it's the best. It's so good. So Kyle Chaka mm-hmm. wrote in The New Yorker a piece called The Year and Apps I Gave Up On. And in his intro, he said, to keep us interested, the major social media networks scrambled to make themselves over in TikTok's image or tried to drag us kicking and screaming into the metaverse. Twitter's new ownership turned the company's previously slow decay into a fast one. The entire internet began to feel... Something like a dying mall populated only by stores you don't want to visit. At the end of this year, I'm left flipping through a phone screen of apps I no longer use and tabs of URLs that expire faint feelings of dread. The thing that we desire most of all might be less technology, not new forms of it. This new year, I'm ready for a purge. I just liked the summation Mm -hmm. of what a dumpster fire this all is. And I thought the dying mall of it all was very I vivid. do think that's vivid. Yeah. I do think that's evocative good. image.
0: And we did all hang out in malls long past when it stopped being satisfying. And in
1: this case, Instagram is the mall. Twitter is the mall. OK, yes. I would like to make a pitch that the social media platform to use if you want to wean your off of yourself off of others but mm-hmm. are afraid of like how will I find new things mm-hmm. or like what's my mm-hmm. discovery mechanism yeah. or like how am I getting this information in mm-hmm. our post Google reader like mm-hmm. post Instagram mm-hmm. world yeah. Pinterest I don't use it socially at all yeah I have not followed anyone mm-hmm. on Pinterest for I would say a decade yeah I think it's like safe mm-hmm. to say I scroll my like homepage, mm-hmm. my like for you page all the fucking time on your phone Never on my phone. Only only my computer. I feel like I find more interesting things there than I do on Instagram. I think its algorithm is better. Do you use it for anything besides design and food? No. Okay. That's like a very good Mm -hmm. point. I use it basically exclusively for design and mostly like home design Mm -hmm. and art, and then food. And I have definitely trained it. Yeah. Like I click on things from my explore page. Mm -hmm. I save things. The only public board I have is recipes Mm and everything else is a private board. Of course, all of this means that it's following me around the internet. Right. So like feel about that Mm -hmm. as you will. I also use it as a search engine all the time. Yeah. And this has been huge for me. Yeah. It's way better than Google is that search on Instagram is awful. The search on TikTok is pretty good. The search on Instagram is like worthless. Even the search on TikTok could be better. Yeah.
0: As someone who searched for a lot of Harry
1: Styles. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But there's something like I can go on there and search for a kind of like pottery or something. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get good results. And then if I give it a day or two and go back to my homepage, it is just flooded with this the things This is the I thing. It see. takes a day or two sometimes. Sometimes it, it does. Because it's
0: not reacting immediately, but it's, yes. it's getting the hang of the thing. The thing that you do that I really need to do is search for recipes specifically with ingredients that yes. I have. Because I do that on Google and you're just getting the same results all the time from the same four or five
1: sources and they're never great. And I will search for things like, what am I, like leeks and ginger right. or whatever, right? What's great is that certain things will surface a lot. So you get this sense that something is like popular oh, in a way that it doesn't, that you don't necessarily get in Google. Like it doesn't, it's okay. not weighted in the same way. Yeah. And also you get a picture right there. Right. Which makes a huge difference yes, actually does. when you're looking for recipes. Yeah. For me, I want to yeah. see what it looks like. No, I wanna this see is a like great the, use it, case. It, it's wonderful. Yeah. Um.
0: Wonderful. I wish it were better for fashion because I, as you know, when you were really
1: Pitching this to to
0: me, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm in the market for something really specific that I can use search terms for. And it was a crew neck drop shoulder sweater. Yes. Ideally alpaca, but I was willing to, you know, (laughs) be open minded. Yeah. 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 And I just got so much shine. Shein. I don't know how you pronounce it. Shane. Shane. Sheen. Sheen.
1: Sheen. I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking at you. <laughs> I pronounced everything wrong. And so I'm not definitely don't shop there. No, I like this about us that we don't know. Yeah. Good for anyway, us. Anyway, it gave me a
0: whole lot of that and some other stuff. I mean, granted, I think at that point I hadn't trained it a bunch, but I still am not getting a lot of great fashion content. I do get a ton of great home design content yes. and kids toys and stuff like that. I want more of the indie designers who I'm interested in keeping track of or discovering a new to be surfacing on there for me. Yeah. I think it well over time.
1: Okay. The other thing I wanted to say as part of my pitch for Pinterest mm-hmm. is that it's always like been positioned as a bit of like a sort of basic cheesy platform. Yeah. But so many of the graphic designers oh, that yeah. we know use it like almost exclusively. And
0: interior designers. Yes. Every graphic designer and interior designer that is a true professional who I've ever encountered relies on it very heavily. Yes. And that is something that I've always found it useful is just creating a mood board, keeping track of stuff. Yes. And we do that between us. We'll like yes. create private
1: shared boards for projects and Tons. stuff.
0: But I have not relied on it as heavily for discovery, which I'm going to start doing. Yeah, I want to, I want you to report back. a compelling pitch. Yeah. I, I will report back after having done this for about a month now. I'm getting great home good content. Well, that's something. Yeah. It's a start. And I do appreciate that it is not as compulsive. As some of the other things, it's not.
1: And it's, I like that it's on my browser. Yeah, I don't I look I don't at use it on sometimes my on my yeah. phone, just yeah. t- as to look
0: at something other than Instagram yeah, on my that's phone. True. Yeah. Um, yeah, all these things have a real, real way about them, you know? Yeah, totally, totally.
1: Okay, I wanna end this on a fashion and design moment. So we've been thinking about doing an episode on vintage. But we want your thoughts. Mm-hmm. What are your tips? How are you thinking about buying new and used these days? What advice do you have for people like us who want to shop more vintage and resale? Where are you shopping besides the real real and noise off? Mm-hmm. How are you keeping track of stuff? What else? You know, I keep meaning
0: to tell you this and keep forgetting. You forwarded me an installment from the Substack of Things. Anna Z. Gray. Uh huh. Things I would buy, if which I have to pay. I rent. Also get yes, and. But don't pay for. So you gave yeah, you, gave, I me the, yeah, you I, gave me the unlocked version, and said I really like this. And I read it, and I really agreed with you. It was so good. It was a really compelling sort of just thought piece about how vintage could be a bigger, more frictionless experience that became sort of a mainstream shopping habit. That like imagine a really beautiful European department store that was actually just all vintage sellers and I was like this is smart she also talks a little bit about ambition in a way that really spoke yeah. to me anyway I never I, wrote you back because it was the weekend and I was chasing camp I but it was something that I also
1: thought was excellent and we, she's such a great we. if we have a vintage space. episode we will yeah. discuss her yeah. or have her on because yeah. she's just she's incredible really, she's a really thoughtful
0: person when it comes to vintage
1: anyway our voicemails DMs Geneva's open yeah that's the show